Blog Talk Radio. Hello there, it is Tuesday, May 21st, 2013. My name is Michael Gordon, and you are tuned into The Mind Whisperer on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the program today. We're going to have a very interesting topic. Today's episode is about repeating mistakes and patterns that uh, no longer serve us and why this happens, why we keep running into our uh, traps and pitfalls and patterns and um, negative experiences keep showing up in our life and we're going to talk about why that happens in a very uh, practical, mind-oriented sense. Um, We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, in the meantime, I'd like to welcome you to the program if you've never listened before. Um, my name is Michael Gordon, and I'm your host. We're a twice-weekly program that looks at spiritual psychology and daily life. I am a practicing clinical therapist in Vancouver, British Columbia, also an Aikido teacher and practitioner of 20-plus uh, years, and um, I sort of converge those two main interests into um, looking at practical issues for our daily lives on uh, a wide range of subjects that you can find on the um, archived list of the program. And if you're listening to the download on uh, iTunes, you can visit blogtalkradio.com forward slash the mind whisper and find any of our past programs. We are very rapidly approaching 5,000 listeners. Very excited about that. Thank you so much for your interest in the show and uh, the subjects that we cover. We are going to feature more guests in the near future. Um, In the meantime, I'm very pleased to be presenting these subjects to you. Um, The subject today is, why do we keep making mistakes? Now, you know, this brings up a very interesting um, juxtaposition between, you know, the rational mind and the subconscious mind. And so the rational mind looks at situations and says, you know, my conscious intention is to do something different and to um, create the circumstances in my life, whether it's uh, work-related or personal relationships or financial or uh, more free time or to um, be a better parent, whatever your concern is. However, the the results show up uh, often very contradictory to the intention that we have to be, you know, uh, functioning better and to have better results. Now, why is that the case? Shouldn't our rational mind be guiding us? And shouldn't we be able to conscientiously change through willpower and attention what we do? Well, absolutely. The problem is, is that if your conscious rational mind is not operating in cohesion with your subconscious mind and your uh, patterns of uh, conditioning, then no matter how much effort you make uh, you know, consciously, it's not going to change the deeper habitual patterns. And... Um, 
why is that the case? Well, that's the case because, first of all, our deeper conditional patterns are, are um, in some ways preset by the evolutionary um, legacy of our 30,000-year-old brain, which is a reptilian brain that has evolved into a, a neocortex, and that gives us rational, complex, higher thought. But we're still animals, and we still have that limbic system which um, makes us regret back to that survival function. And when we go into that, into that uh, fight or flight or freeze response, we come up with less rational options, and it's all about survival in the moment, and we um, can act very uh, reactively. And part of that gives us a negativity bias. What does it mean by negativity bias is that we are, um, by default, looking in the world for danger. That's a part of our survival adaptation. We're always looking for threat. So the neocortex, being higher mammals and uh, primates, allows us to have a much more complex insight into our uh, world and into our reactions and to nuance meaning and to actually be optimistic towards the future and presume the best for ourselves. That's the first part. So we can be very easily triggered back into that uh, survival response. But the second part is a little bit more complicated, and that is uh, our early conditioning in our childhood. And there's a con common constant theme in this program to talk about what that means. Um, in terms of our current life as adults, or if you're a younger person as an adolescent, but essentially, very, you know, how those, uh, how our brain interacts—the rational and the subconscious mind and nervous system—is um, very much dependent on our early conditioning because that's where we wire in um, our sense of the world, our, our responses to the world, and the meaning we create around the world. And we're we're doing that at a time when we have very limited capacity and brain development and social development. So you can wire in a very, very primitive response that stays with you and gets triggered as an adult. Why is that a problem? And how does, how does that affect the choices we make and why is it that we keep making mistakes and attracting things into our lives that we don't want? Well, there's two aspects to that. First of all, attention. If you're not putting conscious attention on something, even if you are putting conscious attention on something, the attention that is uh, already occurred or has a, uh, a pre-program in your subconscious mind or in your past experience that may be trapped emotionally in that limbic region of the brain, uh, for example, in the uh, amygdala, which is the emotional uh, you know, uh, sorting organ essentially in your brain, and the hippocampus, which records memory, if those are storing information in a traumatic way, then that's your set point. That is what you default to. So big black dogs are scary. Um, you know, I don't like the water, et cetera, et cetera. You can have phobias trapped. So the attention that is held in a very uh, survival-like threatening, traumatic, overwhelm way will override anything that you intention you intend in a conscious way. And um, you know the analogy there is this, uh, like that phrase, you know you're, you're um, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. In other words, you're kind of window dressing the situation. And really, what's going on is the ship is going down, or at least there's a sense that the ship is going down. The second part is very tricky, and that is. Um, to be very 
aware of what we're putting our attention on. Now, this took me a long time to get, and it can be very insidious and tricky to understand. But whatever you put your attention on, it grows. And your mind will wrap itself around and create meaning around that. So if you your intention is to not be broke anymore, to not be sick, you're sick of being sick, you're sick of being broke, your subconscious mind only hears the positive instruction. So it hears broke and sick or depressed or single or whatever it is. It reinforces the negative instruction. So it's really impossible or very difficult at least to make change by saying, I don't want something. Because what happens is your attention and your the, the seeking mechanisms of your consciousness are going to be oriented towards that which you don't want. Even though you're saying, I don't want that, therefore I'm going to look for what I do want, your attention is still on what you don't want. And so you're going to be looking for cues, you're going to be focused, you're going to be noticing what you don't want as a way of saying you're eliminating that from your life. But of course your attention is on it still. And this brings up the uh, wonderful phrase from Henry Ford, the industrialist, who said, um, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. So it's a question of what positive instruction you are putting into your subconscious mind and what you're holding in there and how that's going to show up um, and and be available to your rational mind. So this really is the critical thing. So let's take an example. If you're operating from a fear, for example, that I will always be single, then your system is oriented towards that reality. It's adapted to that. Perhaps that's rooted in some primary level low self-esteem or a trauma in your childhood or abandonment issues or neglect or whatever it is. Um, but there's something going on there that there's a prevailing belief that um, you're not lovable or that you may not be conscious of this, but you continually get into relationships that don't work out. So if you're concluding or if you're already coming from the place that um, historically it's not possible or in a fundamental way it's not possible, well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to manifest that situation. You're going to create a situation that looks like on the surface you're hopeful about it and you're this one's really going to work out. And guess what happens? Of course, it doesn't work out and you pick somebody who's not right for you or who is not willing to commit or has intimacy issues or is not uh, available relationally or whatever it is. Now, why is that the case? Well, as I was saying before, you know, our evolutionary design is um, given us this negativity bias, which is there to help us survive and look for threat and danger. But the problem is, is the, the second part of that, which is the conditioning that we individually have in our early upbringing, uh, complicates that and compounds that. And um, it sets us up with what um, I link to in uh, as um, academic research or scientific research, uh, a term called confirmation bias. So let's say we are looking to explore a thesis on a subject, a question. We want to we want to do an experiment, or we want to do some some uh, research into an area of inquiry. Well, in science, using the scientific method, um, whether it's qualitative or quantitative, it doesn't really matter. In order to have um, verifiable results that are scientifically valid or that are in, in, empirically valid in terms of research, um, you cannot start out with with a uh, predetermined outcome. In other words, you can't say, 
I would like to look at, um, I want to prove that this pesticide causes cancer. To do that starts you out with a bias in a certain direction. You're already attached to the outcome of the study, and it's very difficult to, to begin an, an objective analysis. What you can do is say, um, I want to consider whether pesticides are, are uh, you know, or this particular pesticide is leading to increased cancer um, exposure or deaths in this township or whatever as a way of looking and surveying what the risk is of that pesticide. But you cannot say, I'm going to prove that this is this cancer, this chemical. Now, it's very subtle, but there's a big difference because you're starting out with the onus on yourself, like in a court of law, the onus is on you to to prove. The, the, the subject is presumed innocent or neutral until you can um, called confirmation bias. And confirmation bias is what I just described. And that is you are setting out to prove something that you already believe. So that uh, discredits the objectivity of your research. And much like that in life, um, we can be operating without even realizing uh, from a confirmation bias. We are looking for evidence that will confirm um, that which we already hold to be true, and in most cases, it's very unconscious. I'm unlovable, I'm not good enough, no one's going to want to be with me, relationships don't ever work out, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so this is why in your mind, you can go on a dating site, you can uh, let your friends set you up with dates, you can get into a, a you know, an introductory stage of dating or a relationship and then it all falls apart. And you say, this this time was so different and the, the guy or the, or the woman seems so different than the other people I've dated, but you see what you want to see. And if you're operating on a level of safety from um, what you are holding to be true, then you cannot contradict that. You're coming from that confirmation bias and your ego will actually seek out the situation and, and often sabotage the situation to confirm itself, to confirm what it holds to be true. Now, this is not very rational behavior, of course, but the irrational belief, which is wired in on a survival level, is going to uh, dominate. So, of course, how do we change this process? Well, if you do the deduction here, you can see that the first step to do is to identify the problem. What are my limiting beliefs? What are... Where am I operating from a confirmation bias that I'm seeking to prove something that's always been uh, true for me? And that takes some effort and some honesty to say, what is it that I am making up about the situation? What is the negativity that I'm holding about the situation? Why do I keep being focused on being broke? Why do I not believe it's not possible for me to get a better paying job or to launch a business or to become a writer or whatever it is? And you will invariably find that there's some limiting belief, a negative held belief that I won't make money at it, that I'm not, that I don't deserve it, that my no one in my family went through higher education, et cetera, et cetera. And once you start to challenge and take apart and look at where those negative beliefs and limiting beliefs originate, usually from parents or you know teachers or you know fear-based conditioning, then you can begin to have control of your own thoughts, and you can change. You can change to your focus to what you want, and you can notice when the negative thoughts come up. Um, but like obstacles on the path, you can continue to persevere and move through them and not have them be the foundation of how you operate. They're not the, they're not the no longer the um, instruction set 
for your GPS of success. So if your GPS is your orientation towards your higher self and where you want to go in life, and you're operating from instructions that are out of date or that are, um, like on the road, um, no longer valid or they're not up to date with what's actually happening, um, you, there, maybe there's not even a roadmap for the country you're in. And it's the same thing with these negative cognitions that we hold from childhood or wherever, you know, biases that we're holding and fear-based thinking and pre-programmed thinking. And now you can be um, setting your GPS based on what you actually believe, what you actually want for yourself. And, you know, sometimes you have to act on what you believe before you see it. And to be able to do that, you have to uh, look at what's, first of all, holding you back and challenge it and identify it and take control of it, much, again, like a court of law put it on the stand and say, how much do I believe, really believe that I don't deserve? I mean, I may have felt that when I was a kid and I can see why I did. Sometimes it requires therapy, but sometimes it just takes the scrutiny of your mind to uh, really um, identify, isolate it, and then neutralize that thought. That's a negative thought. It doesn't, it's not true. It's not, uh, I wasn't born to function just from this limiting belief. Somebody put it there, a teacher, a parent, a something I picked up along the way, society tells me, you know, um, this is a valid career or this is a valid relationship, et cetera, et cetera, or I'm not a valid person unless I'm in relationship or whatever it is. You get to decide what is right for you. But until you have control over your limiting beliefs, no matter how much conscious effort you put in, that's what's going to dominate your decisions. Well, there we go. We've taken a look today at why we keep making mistakes, why we fall into patterns. And again, use some deductive reasoning, look inside, either through some contemplation of meditation or um, you know, dialogue with a therapist or some journaling or any kind of you know, self-investigation, self-inquiry that will help you trace back what, wh whose belief is that and why am I operating from that belief and how does it really serve me? And what am I really afraid of? What is it I'm afraid of? that's keeping me from moving towards what I want rather than what I don't want. And once you're able to switch that around, your focus and go only on what you want. And when you start focusing on what you want, you get results. If you want to get in better shape, little by little, you do exercise, you start building stamina, all of a sudden you're exercising, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's it for today's show. Uh, I hope this has been beneficial for you. And uh, I'm always looking for feedback on the program on the program itself, on the topics, on the future guests that you'd like to see on the show, you can always call in. Uh, we have a Facebook page, um, which is called The Mind Whisperer, a Twitter account. Love to hear from you. Thank you so much for your support. I hope you take this all in and use it in a way that helps you in your Hi, I'm Michael Gordon. And this has been The Mind Whisper on Blog Talk Radio. We'll talk to you again in the next program coming up on Thursday. Be well. <laughs>